Hello, folks, and welcome into another episode of On Texas Football. My name is Tommy Yarsh, and today I'm excited to be joined by UTSA reporter for the San Antonio Express News, Greg Luca. Greg, thanks for being here, man. How's it going? Tommy, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. It's always good to talk some football. Absolutely. We're really happy to have Greg here. Uh, we're bringing him in today to learn a little bit more about the Roadrunners. Obviously, Texas fans are already very familiar as former coach on the staff here in Austin. Jeff Trailer is leading the, the Roadrunners over there in San Antonio. And boy, he's done a really good job. 12-2 uh, and two last year, Conference USA champions. Uh, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, let's start off by talking about the Roadrunners through the first two weeks of the season. A really exciting start to the year. Started off with a Coming up just short to Houston in overtime, 37-5, to and then they come back next week with a 41-38 to over Army. Looking past the fireworks to start this season, what has UTSA done really well, and what have they maybe struggled with? Yeah, I think the biggest strength has been the passing game, and it starts with quarterback Frank Harris. Uh, very mobile. He's a local guy here from nearby Shirts, and he's really – spent a lot of time in this program and it took him a long time to really get his starting opportunity because he dealt with a couple ACL tears and he was out his first two years, but 2020, he started to have his chance and the last two, the last two seasons, he's held down that starting job and led them to the heights that you're talking about. And this year has been a very different side of Frank Harris because he's averaging way more pass attempts than he has in his previous years. They were up around 45 against army and typically this has been a team that wants to run the ball but as we'll talk about in a second with the biggest weakness the offensive line has not been that great for them they've had some injuries there so they've went to this quick hitting passing attack and between frank and what he brings and the three receivers they have with zakari franklin decorian clark and joshua cephas they've been able to really thrive through the passing game and those guys are the closest you're going to see to texas level talent on the utsa roster you know decorian clark is one of those like six four ish track athlete type of speed you know, very prototypical wide receiver. Zakari Franklin is more like 6'1-ish, and he just gets open. He has a way of finding the ball and shielding off cornerbacks to make catches and has really good hands. And Joshua Cephas is another taller receiver, but he's shifted into kind of the slot role so they can get all three of them out there at the same time. And through the years, he's really developed his run-after catch ability too. So that passing game in general is going to be the biggest strength for UTSA. And it's funny that the biggest strength that is so closely tied to the biggest weakness at this point, which has been they've had some injuries at offensive tackle and they've they've lost their top two on the left side and they lost their top two on the right side as well. And that's to add on to the fact that they were already looking to replace Spencer Burford, who's now starting for the 49ers coming into this year. So that that position has been something that since the spring they've been talking about, and it's just gotten worse and worse through the year. They have right now they have a first year player from JUCO at left tackle and he's a converted guard and they have a walk-on playing right tackle. So Texas is probably going to be able to pin their ears back and get a lot of pressure, and that's why it's going to fall on on Frank Harris and those receivers who have worked the quick passing game before those pass rushers can really get home. Yeah, I want to touch on that offensive line a little bit later, obviously something that the Roadrunners seem to be struggling with. Uh, but for now, you talked about the passing game that the Roadrunners are really going to go to. I want to talk about the running game. What does that aspect look like after losing Sincere McCormick to the draft, who was such an integral part of that offense last year? How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. 
Yeah, it was very interesting. I don't think that they were expecting Sincere to, to declare for the draft early. And so I put them in a little bit of a bind initially. But Brendan Brady, who was a longtime kind of number two here behind Sincere, uh, opted to return for a fifth year after initially saying at the end of last season that he was kind of done with football and going to move on to the next stage. And then they got a, a transfer from Arfrey Smith, who I think the Longhorns are probably a little bit familiar with. He was part of the uh, success Arkansas had running the ball against them last year. So Traylon's a very capable runner, very quick, very shifty. Uh, and Brendan is just a very stable, solid option back there who's kind of a well-rounded back. And so in that sense, those guys have been able to hold up. And, the, you know, if you look at the interior of the offensive line for UTSA, it's a lot of veteran guys who have been multiple-year starters. So they've been able to theoretically have a good core to run behind. It just hasn't all come together yet as well because the tackle play has been a little bit questionable and they've kind of shifted to some other modes of offense. But theoretically, the pieces are in place for the running game to be pretty good. And we saw in the second half, especially against Army, it felt like they were really able to start to churn out some yardage on the ground. But facing a defensive line like Texas is going to be a little bit of a different test. Yeah, let's go back to that offensive line. Uh, both of these teams, very similar situations, sort of, in the sense that three experienced starters on each side and then two newer guys uh, that are sort of starting to step into their own here in the coming weeks. Uh, let's, well, let's focus on UTSA's. Uh, would you say that they excel more in run protection or pass protection? And, you know, what's the difference between the two? What do they, what are they, where do they show their strength and where do they show their weakness? Yeah, I think especially with the tackles, we've seen some question marks in the pass protection just because they don't have athletically the type of guys who can get out to some of these speedy edge rushers. If they're able to just go straight ahead in the run game, they're a little bit better off. But even still, athletically, they're going to be overmatched a lot of the time. So I wouldn't say that they necessarily thrive in either area. It's those guys in the middle who have done a lot of the heavy lifting and necessarily been able to guide those tackles because it's multiple year starters. You, you know, make sure they have the right calls, make sure they know how the protection works on a given play. And then UTSA has done a lot of extra stuff to try to supplement some of that pass protection. There have been times where it, it looks like the blocking is pretty good, but if you look closely, it's because it's seven guys blocking. You have the tight end who's staying in to help and the running back is back there to help you know players as good as frank harris and the three receivers that i mentioned they can basically play with the four of them and then as long as they have that protection that holds up even if it takes seven guys one of them can get open and they can connect so that's something you might see a lot of in this matchup too that they'll have to leave extra bodies in there to to keep the protection right yeah they're gonna have to deal with baron sorrell and ovia gofu coming off the edge who have had two strong starts this year for the longhorns and then even demarvion overshone lining up a bit over there to come uh, off the edge as well uh, let's talk keep talking about defense but i want to talk about the utsa defense now for texas offensively there's a lot of question marks this week thanks to the injuries especially at the quarterback position you know quinny was out for four to six weeks uh, hudson card as a maybe maybe it's a charles wright appearance for the first time in austin with all these unknowns uh, what is the utsa defense going to look like and how are they approaching this week with all these uncertainties yeah, it's a question that we've obviously asked a lot in all the interviews we've gotten to do this week and three or four defensive guys. Nobody's really tipping their hand too much on what sort of things they're keying in on. It's just a lot of we'll be prepared for anything and whatever they put out there, we'll have an answer for it. So I imagine they're saying, you know, if Hudson Card plays, this is what it's going to look like. And if if it's a third string guy, this is what it's going to look like. And if, if Roshan Johnson's running the Wildcat, this is what that's going to look like. And so I think that they're trying to cover their bases in that sense. And it was funny because against Army, they gave up 300 passing yards to a triple option team. Uh, it's the first time since 2007 that Army eclipsed 300 passing yards. So 
this team is generally sold out to stop the run, whether it's against a team like Army or whether it's against anybody else that they play on their schedule. So you see a lot of one-on-one matchups on the perimeter where they leave their cornerbacks on an island, which is not necessarily the worst approach. Those guys are some of the more veteran and experienced players and some of the more talented guys that they have on the roster. So they've proven that they can hold up for the most part. Certainly the Army matchup, you don't really want to draw too much from because it's so different from what you'll see all year. But I think UTSA is more comfortable defending the run too. So, you know, Texas will probably hope to have somebody who's a capable passer back there rather than a wildcat look because I think that's one thing that could actually give UTSA a chance. That being said, they've never had to tackle the kind of athletes that they're going to be up against with Roshan and with B. John Robinson, uh, assuming he's playing in, in near full strength. So that's just, even that might be too much for them to handle just because we haven't seen them go up against that caliber of athlete. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And, uh, you know, obviously, Bijan, Roshan, and Keelan Robinson, three hard guys to tackle. But, like you mentioned, this UTSA team is really good in that run game, we'll see who starts at quarterback for Texas to kind of get a look at and get a gauge of what the passing game uh, will look like. Speaking of protecting the passing game, one of the guys that Steve Sarkeesian mentioned at his press conference earlier this week was safety Rashad Wisdom, the all-conference USA safety for two years straight. What's his defensive strong suit, and how do they make it hard, especially with him leading that defense to move the ball through the air? Yeah, I think he's actually at his best when he's able to come downhill and play against the run. And I think that's a lot of the reason why, you know, they held Army to 150 on the ground. And when he's able to sort of just pin his ears back and, and play downhill and come up and lay hits on people, he's it's a lot more comfortable than when somebody at his height is forced to kind of go back and maybe uh, play against the pass more so. So I think that as long as they can get him playing in his comfort zone where he's able to move around the field and sort of just attack the ball, they're, they're a lot more comfortable than than if he has to drop back and play in coverage mostly. But he's proven to be super, super consistent with what he's able to do in the back end to lead the team in tackles or be near the top really since he got on the field here. So he's a sure tackler for the most part. You know, there were times last year where maybe he had a couple that slipped away from him or he got a couple targeting penalties that kind of sidelined him for a little bit. But this year, haven't have been yet to notice any kind of issues in that sense. So he's probably tightened that up a little bit. And, and I think certainly, yeah, you're going to see him around the ball quite a bit. Talk more about the middle of this UTSA defense. You touched on them earlier. Obviously, the running back room, one of the staples of this Texas offense. Talk a little bit more about that linebacker core and maybe even the front seven. Who are some guys up there who can make it difficult uh, to move the ball on the ground? Yeah, I think actually the single most talented player in that group is uh, nose tackle Brandon Brown. He's a two-lane transfer, and he's only a sophomore technically, but he's just been able to really hold things down on the interior there. And they have two really stable inside linebackers behind him in Trevor Harmonson and Jamal Ligon. And I don't know that they're necessarily, you know, all conference guys. So, you know, they're, they're not probably going to catch too many eyes uh, in this game, but they are in the system long enough and experienced enough that they know where they need to be and how to, to convert the tackles they need to make and find the right lanes and things like that. And they love playing with each other. So they understand who needs to be where and, and the communication aspect between the two of them is key because they both play a ton of snaps and, 
what UTSA prides themselves on more than anything is this defensive line rotation. They they play a three down front and they like to cycle through nine guys. And so you'll see a lot of different people have an opportunity to come in there. Like in the second unit, you have Joe Evans, who is an LSU transfer. And, you know, you don't get a lot of LSU transfers coming to UTSA. And obviously he has the talent to back it up and has played well in his opportunities so far. But he's part of the second group here because they just have so many guys that they feel good about that they can send out there. So they're going to come at you in waves in that sense. And I think that's probably their best bet to holding up with the size and physicality of, of Texas's offensive line. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, Greg, uh, you touched on You touched on experience there a little bit for this UTSA team. I saw today that 18 of the 24 guys that UTSA has starting are either seniors or super seniors, fifth year seniors. Uh, how how valuable is that experience for Jeff Trailer, especially because so many of those guys were on that championship team a year ago? Yeah, I think the reason that that's most critical is it goes back to the foundation of what they've built here. Because Jeff Taylor talks a lot about his culture. And, you know, a lot of coaches talk about that, but it's been very interesting to see the way that the players have bought into that through his time here. They just are all about these. They talk about the triangle of toughness. If you pay attention to anything UTSA says or does this week, you're going to hear about that. And it's just all these values that they believe in and parts of the game that they find important. And the players have all bought into that. And when you have guys who are around for a long time, they learn the ins and outs of that to the point where they can recite it by memory. And then it makes it easier for the next group to come in and pick it up and to, to really establish a foundation here that will, that they hope can carry on years and years after that, after that group of players is gone. And maybe even after trailers gone, who knows how things are going to play out in that sense uh, over time. So at this point to have Frank Harris and Rashad wisdom to be in here from day one with trailer and to still be here and still be leaders allows a lot of that continuity that, that and a lot of the success that they've had because they all can preach the same mindset and there's not a lot of question marks from year to year about what this team's going to be about and what sort of things that they're going to, to value and buy into. So that experience comes in clutch in that way. And then obviously, you know, the same way it does for anybody else is that theoretically these guys are just getting better and better the more they've been on the field and they've seen so many different things. And that's why this matchup is particularly interesting because one thing they haven't seen is a stadium with 100,000 people and and athletes that are four and five star players coming out of high school. So it, of all the things that they've seen, this will be one of the last new challenges for this group to, to face. And that's why I think it's pretty uh, interesting for us to see how it's going to play out. Yeah, this group's certainly getting a more unique experience playing Texas uh, compared to the group from last year. And I want to talk about the difference between the two. And my last question here for you, Greg, uh, UTSA was such a fun team to watch last year. Like I said, Jeff Trailer leads them to 12 and two in just a second season. They win Conference USA. When you look at this team, I know we're only in week three, but when you look at this team compared to last year's squad, how do they compare talent-wise? What are some of the similarities and what are some of the differences? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, and I hadn't thought about it a whole lot. But the the big difference, I think, is that last year's team has some players who are 
either were draft considerations or ended up on rosters after the fact. You know, Tariq Woolen, uh, you know, played some snaps for the Seahawks last night, and there was a highlight that was going around of a pass that he broke up. And like I mentioned, Spencer Burford, the left tackle, started for the 49ers. They kicked him into guard. And they have a couple guys who have been in camps, whether it's Charles Wiley, who was an outside linebacker last year, Clarence Hicks, he set the school record record for sacks and he spent some time with the Bengals and and then sincere McCormick who you mentioned was with the Raiders as an undrafted free agent and then uh is injured so he's working through some things in that sense we'll see if his NFL career ultimately amounts to to anything or not but the point being I don't think they have that same level of talent this year just in terms of like next level kind of guys and you know maybe some people will emerge through the year and maybe I'll be proven wrong about that but I don't think that in the big picture they have that same level of talent but where they try to make up for that is like you've mentioned with the experience, you know, if, if somebody like Frank Harris and those three receivers who I probably shouldn't sell those guys short, maybe one or two of them will have a shot at that level, uh, those outside guys. But if those guys all just take a step forward and the passing game operates at a higher level because of that, then you could see very little drop off. And on the defensive end, you know, they placed, they replaced Wollen with a transfer from West Virginia, Nick fortune, who has been a real, real uh, revelation for them and has played really well on the perimeter and kind of brought cornerback into a strength have a you know they've they found some new guys on the edge i don't think that it's the same level of production in terms of sacks that we saw from from clarence six and charles wiley but adrian taylor is like a converted nickel who does a lot of different things out there and kind of pre presents a different look to the defense but isn't afraid to play physical and they found a local guy trey moore who's uh who's only a sophomore or a redshirt freshman i believe to to step in as the new starter at outside linebacker so you know just guy for guy they don't have the same level of talent as they had last year but it just takes one or two people like Frank Harris, to, to raise their game a little bit to be able to have a team that is just as strong. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, well, we're looking forward to this week three matchup before the Longhorns head in to conference play. They take on the Roadrunners at home at DKR 7 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Huge thank you to Greg Luca for joining us today. Uh, make sure to go follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Luca, no spaces, capital G and a capital L. Um, Really appreciate you again coming on, Greg. Uh, great insight on the Roadrunners. We're all looking forward to this weekend's matchup. It's good to have Coach Trailer uh, back here in Austin where he, uh, where he wants coach. Thank you all for joining us here on this episode of On Texas Football. Make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. We're going to be bringing you a lot more content throughout this season. Ian Boyd and I have our of our game preview, excuse me, coming up tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for all the other great content that our wonderful team here at Inside Texas puts together. For our producer, Matthew Hutchison, my name is Tommy Yars. Thank you all for joining us 